Hey everybody, this is Elsa from NortheasternPost.com and you're listening to the Voice of Northeastern Post podcast, this is episode 37 of the show we are talking about shocking details unveiled, Idaho college students murder suspect revealed. Let's starts. Never before seen photographs and information on the guy accused of killing four college students in Idaho. Under a black Idaho sky, detectives flew Brian Koberger to Moscow, a college town. He was taken to the Lada County Jail by police. The 28-year-old made his initial appearance in this court on January 5, wearing an orange jumpsuit and a blank expression. He is accused of the murders of four University of Idaho students, Kaylee Goncalves, Madison Maddie Mogan, Ethan Chapin, and Zana Kernadal. Investigators believe he stabbed them to death at the women's shared home. Judge, if you plead guilty or are proven guilty, the maximum sentence for this crime is death and life imprisonment. Do you get what I'm saying? Yes, Brian Koberger. Koberger has not yet pleaded guilty. Investigators detailed their knowledge of the night of the murders in an affidavit, saying the perpetrator left his DNA on a leather knife sheath discovered on a bed adjacent to Maddie Mogan. Most disturbingly, they claim a surviving roommate heard sobbing and saw a figure clad in black clothing and a mask. As she stood in frozen shock, the guy went by, and she locked herself in her room. The probe is proceeding quickly. Authorities have not revealed a motive or if he was connected to the youngsters, but we are learning more about Brian Koberger. Who is charged with killing Brian Koberger? Brian Koberger and his father were traveling home from Washington State University for winter break to the family's home in Pennsylvania only 15 days before his arrest. Officer, through body cam video good day. Michael Koberger, how are you? Officer, how are you today? The drive was cut short by two traffic stops in Indiana, about 10 minutes apart, for tailgating. Michael Koberger, to officer we're headed to Pennsylvania, a few more miles away. Officer, okay. Michael Koberger, to the Poconos. We're a bit, a little punchy. We've been on the road for many hours. A police body camera video shows Koberger and his father casually discussing the trip with an officer. Officer, what are your working hours? And what about days? Brian Koberger, several hours. Michael Koberger, several hours. We've been on the road for about a day now. Officer, please don't follow too closely, okay? They are then freed with a caution. Koberger has been studying for his PhD in criminology at the institution since August. He also worked as a teaching assistant at the criminal justice department. He lived and worked on campus in an apartment building. Koberger had sought for an internship with the Pullman Police Department in the autumn, according to the recently disclosed affidavit. In his application essay, he said that he had an interest in assisting rural law enforcement agencies with how to better collect and analyze technological data. Koberger taught four courses to Benjamin Roberts. Benjamin Roberts, he seemed to be at ease among other people. He was fast to express his views and opinions. And he was always ready to participate in class discussions. He said Koberger looked to be quite clever. Peter Van Sant, is there anything more that Brian has mentioned to you in the past that you think could be of relevance today? Benjamin Roberts, he made a remark, and it was sort of a throwaway man talk thing. At one point, he casually said, I can go down to a bar or a club and have pretty much any lady I want. Koberger came to the institution after graduating from DeSalle's institution in Center Valley, Pennsylvania with a bachelor's degree in psychology and a master's degree in criminal justice. Authorities claim that while at DeSalle's, Brian Koberger uploaded a university-approved poll on the website Reddit questioning ex-convicts about the crimes they committed. Before making your move, how did you approach the victim or target, he inquired. 
This might be circumstantial evidence, according to James Gagliano. James Gagliano is a CBS News contributor and former FBI supervisory special agent. The fact that the suspect was interested in pursuing a PhD in criminal justice and was particularly interested in the mental state that people who had committed murders in the past had, yes, it could be interesting to note, but I know a lot of researchers who study those things who would never commit a quadruple homicide. If Koberger was engaged in these killings, C.C. Moore, a genetic genealogist, wonders why he would be so irresponsible as to supposedly leave his DNA at the crime scene. C.C. Moore, people are saying how brilliant he is, and I just don't see how that could be true, because any student of forensic science or criminology would know that it's very difficult not to leave your DNA behind in a really violent, intimate crime scene like this. C.C. Moore, you know, Ted Bundy believed he was brilliant, but it turns out he wasn't. Roberts said Koberger seemed unkempt, fatigued, and chattier than usual after the killings. But nothing could have prepared Roberts for the news of Koberger's arrest. Looking back over the previous four months, I feel like there should have been warning signals that I should have recognized, but I didn't. I was caught off guard. These charges are out of character for Brian, according to Jason Labar. Jason Labar, a public defender in Monroe County, defended Koberger before he was transported to Idaho. Jason Labar, the family would want the broader public to know that Brian is a responsible son and brother who is committed to them. In a statement the family said that we care deeply for the for the four families who have lost their precious children, as well as seek the truth and promote his presumption of innocence rather than judge unknown facts and make erroneous assumptions. Jason Labar, he is presumed innocent unless proved guilty. According to Labar, Koberger grew up in eastern Pennsylvania's Pocono Mountains, where his father worked as a maintenance worker and his mother worked in the school system. Brian has two older sisters, one who works as a family therapist and another who appeared in a 2011 low-budget slasher film, two days back, about a group of young students viciously murdered by a serial killer and now works as a school counselor. Bree, my thoughts are with Brian's family. Bree, Koberger's friend, claims she met Brian at a Pleasant Valley High School party and begged 48 hours not to use her last name. Brian was incredibly humorous, he wasn't outspoken, but he wasn't shy either. She claims they became friends because they both like being outside. Bree, I don't remember the discussions, but you remember how someone makes you feel. I just remember feeling okay, I was just with a buddy. It just seemed normal. Bree describes Koberger as an average student with just a few close friends and his comment on a yearbook picture said that he intended to be an army ranger. Casey Arns, who knew Brian Koberger from high school, shared this TikTok after Brian's arrest. T.I.K. Talk Casey Arntz, I used to be friends with Brian Koberger. I'm actually in shock right now. Casey Arns, because he was an overweight child, he was bullied a lot. However, Arns claims that others saw a shift in Koberger around the start of his senior year. Casey Arns, he shed like 100 pounds. He was a rail. A lot of people saw a major change in him following that weight reduction. Casey Arntz, my brother has recently come forward to claim that Brian bullied him despite the fact that they were buddies. Casey Arntz, he'd stated he'd put him in chokeholds and things like that. Bree claims that Koberger began using heroin, which terminated their relationship. Bree, you simply watched him get more self-destructive. He really kept to himself. It's unclear when Koberger entered treatment but both Bree and Casey claim that years after he graduated from high school, he looked to be putting his life together, attending Northampton Community College and working security for Pleasant Valley School District. Bree, he was telling me that he wanted to be clean, that he was getting sober, and that he wanted to tell me, I'm gonna do better.
I'm going to improve. Brie, I'm sorry. Crying. Casey Arntz, I last saw Brian in 2017 at one of my friend's wedding. And I hugged him and said, you look so good. As if I'm so proud of you. And, according to both Brie and Casey, Koberger looked to have a new concentration, his criminology studies. Brie, he wanted to accomplish something that would have a positive influence on others. Brie, people were not his strong suit, and via his criminology studies, he was genuinely attempting to understand humanity as well as himself. Brie, like many others who knew him, is now struggling to link the guy they once knew to this heinous murder. Brie, I believe a lot of people who knew him are feeling a lot of remorse. Why didn't I see it? Is there anything I'm missing? What went wrong? But Maddie and Kaylee weren't the only ones who suffered. While two other housemates remained uninjured in their rooms throughout the attacks, the murderer made his way to Zana Kernadal's room on the second level. Jasmine Kernadal, memorial service she was my younger sister, but she was much smarter. Jasmine, Zana's sibling. Jasmine Kernadal, memorial service she often said she didn't know what she'd do without me. And now I have to go on with my life without her. Zana, a 20-year-old student studying in marketing, was recognized for her dedication to her academics. She was so dedicated that she didn't have much time for dating. Jasmine Kernadal, memorial service Zana had never had a lover before, and my father and I wondered when she would, laughs. Until she met Ethan Chapin, that is. Jasmine Kernadal, memorial service the way she spoke about him and smiled was something I'd never seen her do before. Ethan was a 20-year-old leisure and tourist management major. According to Jasmine, Zana and Ethan started dating in the spring of 2022. Jasmine Kernadal, memorial service they had something unique, and everyone knew it. Especially for those who followed the couple on Instagram. Zana shared images of them on Ethan's birthday with the remark, Life is so much better with you in it, love you. It would be her last Instagram post. The young couple was discovered stabbed to death in Zana's bedroom only two weeks later. The sadness of this catastrophe is felt deeply at the University of Idaho, and it reaches hundreds of miles beyond to a tulip farm in Skagit Valley, Washington. Ethan worked there before going to college. Andrew Miller, his supervisor. Andrew Miller, so, Ethan began in the spring of, of 21. It was the most wonderful tulip festival. Miller estimates that the annual tulip festival draws almost 500,000 people, and Ethan stood out among them. Andrew Miller, he's a large person with a big grin, isn't he? That's the thing that hit me immediately away, I believe. Ethan, a triplet, worked there with his siblings, Maisie and Hunter, and lived with their parents in a leased home on the farm. According to Reese Gardner, the Chapin triplets were very close. They were great buddies, according to Reese Gardner. If one did anything, everyone other did something. It was very wonderful to witness. Including their time at the University of Idaho. Andrew Miller, and the craziest part was, of course, it was a package deal. All three of them were going to go there. Aria McCagba, I assume he was thrilled since his brothers were with him. According to Aria McCagba, Ethan's parents have also chosen to relocate to Idaho. McCagba claims she couldn't believe it when she learned Ethan had been slain. Aria McCagba, my initial thought was to contact Ethan. I was like, hey, you're okay, right? Like, this isn't real. Sobbing, he didn't answer. Reese Gardner looked up material on the internet. Reese Gardner, and I couldn't stop reading stories and. I just needed to know what occurred and why. In the absence of solutions, Gardner resorted to tulips. He had an idea, call it Ethan. Reese Gardner, that's what I felt, there's, there's no better way, to remember someone who had such a big part, a big role in those farms. Andrew Miller, 
because Reese phoned and said, hey, can this be done, and are you interested in doing it? I said, yes, and hell yes. But since generating a new tulip takes time, Miller proposed a combination of yellow and white tulips as a fitting memorial to Ethan. Andrew Miller, of course, yellow, because go vandals. Isn't that the University of Idaho? That's important. And then there's white, which is, isn't that a timeless color? Tulips bloom in the spring. It represents, represents hope. With his parents' approval, they called the tulip mix Ethan's smile. Andrew Miller, so, in approximately four months, this will be a gorgeous yellow or white tulip. The three planted thousands of bulbs in Washington State and delivered thousands more to the University of Idaho. Andrew Miller, and it's our goal that we'll be able to keep planting so that everyone who wants to remember him may have their own Ethan's Ethan's Smile Garden. It's a living memorial. Prosecutors must now seek justice for these young victims. In search of solutions. Authorities caught the guy they suspected was responsible for the deaths of Kaylee Goncalves, Ethan Chapin, Madison Mogan, and Zana Kernadal, 47 days later. We now know that detectives had Brian Koberger in their sights from the start, but they kept it close to the vest. So, in the days after the November 13 killings, discontent spread through Moscow, Idaho. James Gagliano, I believe that in this case, people expected a speedy arrest, but it takes time. Steve Goncalves, the father of Kaylee, 21, was doing his best to cope with unexpected news. Steve Goncalves, I'm ready for most anything. As a father, you can manage most things. But you can't prepare for something like that, and you can't cure it. Steve Goncalves, and, you know, if you do everything by the book, something like this can't happen. Peter Van Sant, do you have any idea who might have done anything like this? Steve Goncalves, no. I didn't believe anybody in her close circle was capable of connecting with and her doing anything that deserved something like that. As word of the killings circulated, horror swept across the collegiate community, which had not witnessed a homicide since 2015. Matt Loveless, parents traveled hundreds of miles to pick up their children and bring them home for the semester. Matt Loveless teaches journalism at neighboring Washington State University. Matt Loveless, at this moment, we don't know whether they'll return for the spring semester on campus. The same thing occurred in each of our neighborhoods. So, when parents send their children off to school, for anything like this to happen, I believe it's every parent's worst fear. James Gagliano is a CBS News contributor and former FBI supervisory special agent. And it's a town, Moscow, Idaho, where violent crime is almost non-existent. As the police investigation began, they followed the victim's last actions. The day before the killings seemed to begin normally. Kaylee Goncalves captioned a picture of herself with her roommates and Ethan Chapin, one lucky girl to be surrounded by these PPL every day. That evening, Ethan and Zana attended a party at a fraternity home on campus. Kaylee and Madison went to a pub at 10 p.m. and 1.30 a.m. They were later observed visiting a nearby food cellar, the Grub Truck, before returning home about 2 a.m. on November 13. So, based on the time frame, detectives know that the incident occurred sometime in the early morning hours. There were apparently two more University of Idaho students there when the killings occurred. Later that morning, a call to 911 was placed from one of the surviving roommate's phones to report an unconscious individual. At 11.58 a.m., police arrived at the residence. Police find the victims in bedrooms on the second and third floors of the house a horrific and very large-scale crime scene because you're going to be dealing with a number of different floors that need to be processed, the bedrooms where the crimes actually occurred, and then ingress and egress points. How did the suspected murderer get into the house? 
by way of the entrance door, by looking via a window, all of these items will be investigated by police. Chief James F.R.Y., to reporters at this moment, no weapon has been discovered. There was no evidence of a forced entry into the house. The Moscow police conducted their first news conference three days after the killings, on November 16. Chief James F.R.Y., we think this was a single, targeted assault on our victims. We do not have a suspect at this moment, and that person is still on the loose. On November 17, Coroner Kathy Mabbott published her report. Coroner Kathy Mabbott, they were all killed by stabbing with some form of weapon, most likely a bigger knife. She informed authorities that several of the four victims had defensive wounds but that none of them had been sexually assaulted. The crime was still being investigated by police, who were assisted by the Idaho State Police and the FBI. James Gagliano, I simply think the Moscow Police Department didn't have a lot of experience dealing with homicides, particularly one as horrible as this one. After nearly three weeks of no arrests and what looked to the public to be no credible suspects, Steve Goncalves became more anxious that police weren't doing enough and that the killings would become a cold case. As a result, he claims, he began working with his own team to investigate the killings. So we just thought, this is the time. Let's get it out there, and let's not let it get cold. Let's get as many resources as as possible. Peter Van Sant, and did you have any idea what the motivation may have been for these murders? Steve Goncalves, beautiful chicks and a lovely man. I believe that could have something to do with their, you know, stalking them in that way. Meanwhile, names of prospective suspects began to emerge, including members of the community and associates of the victims. However, they all seemed to be part of an erroneous rumor mill, with many coming from internet sleuths. People even came to Goncalves to verify they were not involved. Steve Goncalves, we had some suspects remove their shirts in our kitchen to see if they had any marks. And we did everything in our power to ensure that if we believed someone was ruled out, we actually, we honestly felt like we, we looked at M. Despite the fact that law enforcement received hundreds of tips, the investigation seemed to be stopped. On December 7, over a month after the killings, cops were observed gathering up the victims' things to return to the bereaved relatives. The driver of the U-Haul truck was the police chief. On the same day, a public appeal was issued. The occupants of a white 2011-2013 Hyundai Elantra with an unknown registration plate, seen near the murder site around the time of the deaths, were wanted by police. Amanda Rowley, creme reporter, this is the first detailed tip we've had in a few days. Detectives are now looking for anybody who was inside a white Hyundai Elantra near this residence on King Road on November 13. Police shared photographs of vehicles of comparable makes to the one they were seeking for. Chief James F.R.Y., to reporters we continue to feel that additional information has to be acquired. James Gagliano, I'm taking it to the media. I'm disseminating that information over the internet. We're putting it out there so folks can search for a possible suspect, person of interest, or vehicle. That goes a long way toward closing leads. Investigation from within. It turns out that the police had previously shared the information with neighboring law enforcement roughly two weeks before they encouraged the public to be on the lookout for a white Hyundai Elantra. On November 29, 2022, Washington State University police discovered a white Elantra. Brian Koberger was the owner of the vehicle. CBS News learned that the Hyundai Elantra was tracked for several days by the FBI in mid-December, using easy-pass monitoring, fixed-wing aircraft, and ground support as it was driven by Koberger and his father from Pullman, Washington, to the family's home in Pennsylvania. 
The automobile was stopped twice in Indiana on December 15 for those offenses, by the Indiana State Police and the Hancock Sheriff's Office. Officer, are you from Washington State University? Michael Koberger, correct. Brian Koberger, correct. Officer, and where are you going? Michael Koberger, we're off to Pennsylvania. Both authorities said that at the time of the stops, there was no information available on a suspect for the crime in Idaho, to include identifying information or any specific information related to the license plate state or number of the white Hyundai Elantra. Koberger was not ticketed, instead, he received a verbal warning and went on his way home. Then Koberger's vacation came to an abrupt stop. A suspect has been arrested in the triple murder of four Idaho college students, according to CBS News. Brian Koberger was arrested for the killings on December 30, 2022, according to authorities. He was apprehended at 3 a.m. at his family's house in Albrightsville, Pennsylvania, with around 50 law enforcement personnel on the scene. MAJ, Christopher Paris, Pennsylvania State Police, I suspect many windows and doors were damaged in order to obtain entrance. Brian Koberger, according to authorities, acted alone. Brian was taken aback by his arrest, according to Jason Labar. Brian had no idea why they were there, but he was aware of the Idaho case. Jason Labar, a public defender in Monroe County, defended Koberger in Pennsylvania as he awaited extradition to Idaho. Brian suggested to me that he was anxious to get cleared, that he was ready to return to Idaho. Koberger signed his renunciation of extradition on January 3 during a hearing in Pennsylvania. And on January 4, he was transported to Idaho, where he is being held on four murder charges. Koberger went in court in Moscow on January 5 with his new public lawyer to hear the allegations against him read out. He has not yet entered a plea. Judge Megan Marshall, if you plead guilty or are proven guilty, the maximum sentence for this crime is death or life imprisonment. Do you get what I'm saying? Yes, Brian Koberger. The affidavit, which revealed shocking new facts about the murder investigation, was published the same day. According to the affidavit, one of the surviving roommates saw the murderer and stood in a frozen shock phase. She is referred to as DM in the affidavit, and told police that earlier, she heard a female voice say, something to the effect of there's someone here, and later, a male voice say, something to the effect of it's okay, I'm going to help you. The affidavit states that, according to DM, the male walked toward the backsliding door and DM locked herself in her room. It was later in the morning when that call to 911 was made from one of the surviving roommate's phones, to report an unconscious person. It is unclear what occurred in the hours before police were called. It is believed the murders took place between 4 and 4.25 a.m. James Gagliano, I'd expect that a murder scene as as gory and horrific as this one would have. DNA left by the culprit. The knife sheath was examined, and the Idaho State Lab later located a single source of male DNA on the button snap, which they were able to correlate to DNA collected from the garbage at the Pennsylvania Koberger family residence, according to the affidavit. It is unclear what, if any, relationship Koberger had with the victims, nonetheless, the affidavit claims that investigators were able to locate Koberger's mobile phone near the murder site on at least 12 occasions before November 13, 2022 by utilizing cellular phone data. Except for one, all of the occurrences happened in the late nighttime and early morning hours. Even with these new revelations, many questions remain. A new gag order forbids officials and anybody connected in the investigation from discussing the deaths, and investigators have sealed a search warrant executed at Koberger's house in Pullman, Washington. 
Jim Gagliano, you don't want to make a mistake, and you don't want anything to happen throughout this process that would provide the suspected suspect a chance to defeat the case. The lawsuit will now go via the legal system as parents who have lost children seek answers. Steve Goncalves, we uncover the truth, you know, and then that, that, that will be everything. In memory of. It's seen in the youngsters astonished, speechless expressions, expressions that beg the question, why, without even saying anything. The flowers, the prayers, the pledges to continue on. In Idaho, people hang on tight to each other and to the memory of those loved and lost. Sobbing, Emily, memorial service life is so unfair and unexpected. The wound is still open for Zana Kernadal's pal Emily. We'll find justice for you, Ethan, Maddie, and Kaylee. We love you all so much. Emily, memorial service and it breaks me apart knowing I can't touch her. Crying, so hold those you love closer. Touch them a bit tighter and tell them you love them. Maddie Mogan's memories is very vivid for Ashlyn. Ashlyn, memorial service you will live on forever, not only in my heart, but in the hearts of so many others who were touched by your beautiful smile, grace, patience, open heart, and insanity. Hunter Johnson recalls a friend on whom he could depend Ethan Chapin. Hunter Johnson, memorial service Ethan was always someone you could depend on to make you smile and lighten up your attitude. And I feel so privileged to have had so many wonderful memories with him, emotional. Those who are older, though, may feel that sorrow this profound never fades. Kaylee's father, Steve Goncalves. You don't recover from something like this. It's never going to happen. You're never going to be healed. You're never going to get past this. And when they die, part of you dies. Steve Goncalves, we're weary of all these sorts of crimes. We're tired of all this crap. And we can unite around these awful events, and. We're hoping as a society we come back stronger, and we decide not to take this anymore, you know. That's what I hope for.